Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson, and it is good to be with you today. I told you that yesterday when we uh, finished that I would start off today's podcast by picking up. uh, I, I read, I finished yesterday's podcast by reading Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. And I said that I would start off today's podcast, or which is now tonight because it's about quarter to 10 here. Uh, picking up where I left off. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up where I left off and I'm going to reread this passage again before we continue in the study just to refresh our memories as to what we're talking about. I am usually when I record, I record a file to my computer and then I upload it. Tonight I am recording directly to, on the Anchor website, which means that. Um, this is only going to go a maximum of 30 minutes because after 30 minutes in the web browser, you cannot record any longer unless you're on your phone or some other uh, device. But if you are, uh, if you're just recording straight from the web browser to the website, then you only, then you get 30 minutes. So I'm already at a minute 22. So I'm wasting time. Let's move it here. A New Living Translation, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. Here we go. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. Again, you see this theme over and over again. It was by faith. It was by faith. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did that. By faith, we access this. By faith, we access that. Again, I'm I'm not a master at this faith thing. I'm trying to grow in this. I'm seeking to grow in this as much as anyone listening to this is. I'm, if you want to call this preaching, I don't know if technically I could, but if we want to call it that, then technically I'm preaching to myself as much as I am you guys. So I'm not on some pedestal. I'm not a faith giant. My name isn't Oral Roberts, okay? I'm not, I'm I'm trying to get a hold of this as much as anyone else, all right? That's why I keep harping on this, that, and the fact that the precept ministry study that we're doing kind of necessitates that we we follow this track. But there's a reason why I feel like God has me going in this direction, and it's because faith is so important. Faith is, I've said this, uh, I've said this so much you're going to be sick of hearing it. Faith is the currency of heaven. Going to God without faith is like going to the mall without money. So it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. So he went by faith, and then he had to live by faith because he was living as a foreigner, even though God had promised him the land. When he first got there, it's still he still hadn't taken possession of it yet. That was going to come. That wasn't going to be an immediate uh, thing. But he had he lived by faith like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. That would be the new Jerusalem, the capital of heaven, which will one day be on the new earth when this earth is renovated and recreated into a new earth, the new heavens and a new earth. 
that new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven after the millennial kingdom of Christ. And we'll get into that more in another time. But that's the, the city with eternal foundations designed and built by God that it's talking about. Verse 11, it was by faith. Again, there's faith again. This is all through he, uh, Hebrews 11. And it's especially here with Abraham because he's considered the father of faith or the father of faithfulness. It says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. And there's my phone dinging already. Uh, I can't pause this one either because of how I'm doing it tonight. So this should be fun, all these sounds I'm getting. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. All, in other words, all these Israelites from the Old Testament died still believing that God was going to fulfill the promise, even though they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth, just as we are. We are foreigners and nomads here on earth. You hear people say this earth is not our home. Now, in one sense, you know, we're going to come back with Jesus and we're going to rule and reign here and Jesus is going to reign on the earth. But in another sense, this present world that we live in, this is not what we were designed for because it's fallen and it hasn't been redeemed yet. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland, like the Stephen Curtis Chapman song. No better place on earth. You know that song? Um, he, he sings about how there's no better place on earth than the road that leads to heaven. They were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That's why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he, is, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. That's what we've been looking at with Genesis 22. If you go back to yesterday's podcast, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Remember, they had been praying for that to happen for years. They had been believing. I talked about this, how literally everything around their lives, every the entire focus of their lives seemed to be centered around God's promise that they were going to have a child of their own. And they grew weary in waiting for it. That's how Ishmael came along. Because of Sarah's plan with Hagar. Where she gave her slave to Abraham to, to sleep with and become pregnant. So that they could have a child that way. Because they couldn't see yet how God was going to fulfill it. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. But they still, they believed this promise was for them. Even though... Sorry about that sound again. They, they still believed that promise was for them, even though they tried to go about fulfilling it in the wrong way. So this says in verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. This one that they had spent their whole lives praying for and waiting for and believing for when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. 
Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And so, just so we don't miss it, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, what did Abraham know? What did he believe regarding God's command to him to offer Isaac? So what did he know and what did he believe regarding God's command to offer Isaac? Let's look at that last paragraph again. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So what did Abraham know? What did he believe regarding God's command? He knew that even if Isaac, even if he, even if Isaac died at the hand of Abraham, even if he proved his loyalty and love for God above all, by literally sacrificing his son Isaac, he knew God's promise that a nation would come, that nations would come from him, and that Abraham, that Isaac would be part of that, even if God had to resurrect him from the dead. He, by this point in his spiritual walk, now maybe back in Genesis 12 and 13, maybe he didn't quite have that yet. Maybe his faith was still growing. Maybe that's what all those tests were. Maybe that's what all these last. Uh, 10 chapters and uh, however many decades this has been a few decades or something like that um i think it's like 34 35 years something like that maybe um it might be 25 but the point is that maybe that's what all this was it was it was building his faith up to this point when he could then pass the ultimate test We want to make sure that we can see the depth of Abraham's faith, his confidence in the promises of God. So as we consider this passage, remember all we have learned regarding God's promise to Abraham about his descendants and through whom the descendants would come. And that's basically what I just talked about. Now we're going to look at James chapter 2. Verses 20 through 26. We're going to read these verses. James chapter 2. Verses 20 through 26. I'm in the New Living Translation. And we're going to pay attention to their context. And think about how this passage correlates. With Genesis 22:12. Okay so we're going to type both of those in. As I mess up my entire note. Look here. Hang on. There we go. Let's uh, scroll up here. We're going to go to James chapter 2, verses 20 through 26, and Genesis 22, 12. And again, the question here says, read through these verses, denote their context, and think about how this passage correlates to Genesis 22, 12. Okay, so I'm going to do this a little backwards because it's my podcast and I can I'm going to read Genesis 22, 12 first. It says, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. This is when he was, he had his hand up in the air and he was getting ready to bring the knife down and plunge it through his son in obedience to God who told him to sacrifice his one and only son whom he loved. And he said, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. He had proven 
his true loyalty and obedience through this one act of what he was willing to do. Hang on, galaxy. I can't do that right now. You have not withheld from me your, your son, your only son. So, so now, James chapter 2, verses 20 through 26, it says, How foolish. What is the context here? Why is James calling people foolish? Well, let's go up to the rest of the chapter here. It's again, this is James chapter 2. And we're going to see, it says, this, the section that this is in says, Faith without good deeds is dead. And verse 14 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. James says, what good does that do? <laughs> so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Now, that sounds almost contradictory from what I've been saying throughout these last few podcasts, but it's really not. Martin Luther, from what I, I, I was taught at the Lutheran church um, that I attended with my family for several years, even though I there's a lot of points of of a Lutheran theology I disagree with and even called it watered-down Catholicism on one of my last, I think it was on my last Wednesday night there, I call Lutheran theology just watered-down Catholicism. Galaxy, stop it. You're fine. I just filled up your food bowl. What do you want? Huh? Hang on one minute here, folks. What is going on? You've got food there in the bowl. You don't need anything else, okay? You've got everything you need. I just checked it. It's fine. I offered for you to get on my lap, and you wouldn't do it. What else do you want? Hmm? There. Now, I've taken care of Galaxy's meowing. Now we can continue this. My whole point of this was saying it sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. Martin Luther, you know, like I said, I called Lutheran theology at one point watered-down Catholicism. It was on my last Wednesday night at the, the Lutheran church my family, and some of my family actually still attends. There's a lot of points about Lutheran theology that I do not agree with. I'm not Catholic either, but there's just, you know, especially things like the infant baptism and the amillennialism as relates to the end times and uh, the book of Revelation, all that. I don't agree with that stuff. And there's other things that they, they're they very sin conscious. You know, just a lot of things I just, I don't, I don't agree with. But I remember on one of the Wednesday night Bible studies we had there, uh, Pastor Stevens, who was the pastor at Our Savior at the time, even though he no longer is, I remember him saying that Martin Luther really wasn't a big fan of the book of James or the book of Revelation, but that's another story. Um, he said, I think he said he couldn't, uh, Martin Luther said, you can't find Jesus or you can't, it's hard to see, he didn't say you can't, it's hard to see Jesus in the book of Revelation. <laughs> like, dude, do you not know how to read? But, Martin Luther also, he had a problem with the book of James. And I think he, from what I remember hearing, he didn't believe that the book of James 
should be in the New Testament, or he had some questions about its um, its in inclusion in the biblical canon because he said he believed that it violated God's teachings on grace and grace through faith, and it really doesn't. Um, as we will see as we continue reading here, verse 17 again of James chapter 2, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Okay. Now, someone may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So you see... This is not a contradictory message. It's not actions over faith. It's not that necessarily, it's not discounting faith. It's saying that genuine faith, a genuine convert who has true faith in Christ, will produce good deeds automatically. And if they don't, then that person's quote unquote faith is dead. It's meaningless it's irrelevant it's good for nothing verse 18 now i just read that actually oh no it says now someone may argue so uh some people have faith and others have good deeds but i say how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds i will show you my faith by my good deeds you say you have faith for you believe that there is one god that's the, I remember, um, I was also part of a Messianic Jewish congregation for a while. And they, you know, every, um, every Sabbath, you know, they read the, the Shema. Uh, uh, they, they, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That entire passage from Deuteronomy 6 is either read or sung. And... So James here, writing to Jewish believers, says, you, you believe that there's one God good for you. And he says, even the demons believe that there's one God, and they tremble in terror. So if you have, if you just say you believe in the one God, congratulations, you have as much belief as a demon does, is basically what James is saying. You know, if you just say, I believe in God, well, well, good for you. So does the devil. <laughs> you have as much faith as Satan. Woohoo, good for you. There's more to it than that. James says in verse 20, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. So that begs the question then. I've been emphasizing the faith of Abraham all the way back since Genesis 15. I've said that the key verse in Genesis 15, or excuse me, the key verse in Genesis is Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness, right? That's what I've been saying. I've been highlighting that over and over again. So what is the, how does that tie into this? It ties in... Because it says that he, it was Abraham's faith, according to Genesis and Romans and Galatians and Ephesians, all those other letters Paul wrote, that it was his faith and not his actions that made him right with God. It was his faith, 
not his actions that made him right with God. But he showed that he was made right with God by his actions. So he already had the faith all back in Genesis 15. But he demonstrated that faith ultimately in Genesis 22 when he sat, when he was willing to go through the sacrifice of Isaac, even though he didn't know exactly at the moment what God had in mind. He had so much faith in God by that time, he just knew that God was going to make it all work out. He had to pass that test. He already had the faith. He was already justified by faith. But at some point, life called him, God called him, to express that faith in his actions. And genuine converting faith will always have those points in it. You see, verse 22, it says, His faith and his actions worked together. These are not mutually exclusive. Faith is not... You know, faith is not superseding actions. Actions is not superseding faith. The faith and the deeds, the faith and the actions are working together. His actions made his faith complete, James write in, writes in James chapter 2 and verse 22. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So even James the one who Martin Luther said, I don't know if that should be in the New Testament. It sounds like he's contradicting faith. Even he says right here in James 2.23, he quotes Genesis 15.6 that I've been quoting over and over and over again for the last seven chapters. Ever since we first read it. He was even called the friend of God. And I noticed that too. That's the whole section of this study. It's called, how do you become a friend of God? So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Faith alone will save us, but we are shown, pay attention, shown to be right with God by faith alone. So, or shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. So somebody says, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you don't have the right to judge me, well, <laughs> you might want to read the whole thing. See, because what he was actually talking about, there was hypocritical judgment, not all judgment. There's other places where Jesus said to judge with righteous judgment. And he called on his followers, you know, to do that. But here's what you know, he said. We're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Even though faith alone is what saves us, it is confirmed by what we do. Verse 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example, James says. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. So she had the faith. She demonstrated it by her actions. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also, faith is dead without good works, is how James finishes that passage. Now, okay, I've got six, about six minutes here. We're going to 
try to move along here a little bit. It says, don't miss how Abraham is referred to in this passage. And I think we already covered that. And then um, as we move on to the next page in the study guide here, I think I've got enough time to read this because I had about six minutes the last time I looked. So it says, isn't it breathtaking to watch God weave truth together? Do you realize how blessed we are to be living on this side of Calvary? Meaning this side of the cross. This side of, you know, after the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, after the biblical canon has been complete ever since uh, John wrote the book of Revelation in AD 95. How blessed we are to have the whole word of God, the complete revelation of truth, and our resident tutor, the Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us into all truth. Doesn't it just make you long to know and really understand every book of the Bible? And that's one of the goals of this podcast is to try to make that happen. So let us not forget this and take time to thank God for freely giving us access to the truth. We are blessed above all people because we have God's complete revelation to mankind in his word. So may we realize that and live accordingly. May we realize that to whom much is given, much is required. That's what Jesus said. May we be faithful stewards or managers of the mysteries of God that he has bequeathed to us in the books of the Old and New Testaments. May we truly live as God's friends. That's what Abraham was. That's what he still is. And that's what God wants us to be, his friends. So I think that's where we're going to end this uh, podcast today. Um, we've got 26 minutes, so I've got a little bit of time here to do a little closing. Um, again, this is this particular section is all about becoming friends of God. But they made one really good point in that study there about how, and this is one of the goals of this podcast. It's not just me sharing things about myself, although that is a that's become an important thing for me to do in this uh with this podcast but there's more to it than that because ultimately if this is just about me then it's i mean what good is that if we're going to truly live by an eternal perspective if we're really truly going to try to become friends of god then he needs to be the central focus and his word needs to become the central focus because that is where the Holy Spirit speaks to us the most, is in the scriptures. So that's why it's so important for us to keep that in mind and to live that way. And we're going to try, I, you know, at the rate this world is going, I doubt, especially at the pace I'm going. I mean, I've been on Genesis for a year and we're just now getting to Genesis 22. Granted, I did take a lot of long breaks in between. And there's been days and whole weeks where I haven't done anything with this. But even if I stay consistently with this podcast like I've been doing for about a week now. And started even before that. But really been really consistent for, what, about eight or nine days now. Um even with that, 
I don't know if we're going to get through all 66 books of the Bible before Jesus returns at the rate this world is going. Maybe we will. I, I'm not going to make a prediction. My name isn't Harold Camping, and I'm not going to make a bunch of stupid predictions to destroy my credibility. Whatever credibility that you believe I have, and I hope that I have gained some. Um, but the goal is, if Jesus does tarry, is to go through all 66 books of the Bible. And if I do, we'll just start over and I'll try to get some fresh new insights. And we'll go through it again. But at the pace we're going, that's going to take a long time. Because we're just we're still in Genesis. Um, but anyway, so we got about a minute and a half left here. I want to remind you guys again, please take some time to share this podcast with everyone. Please, uh, um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, parlor on MeWe, on Gab, on in your email, wherever. Uh, please take some time to share this. Help us to grow this audience. Help us to get these truths out to as many people as we can. If you find this worthy, I would uh, of sharing. I really hope that you do, and that you would. It's it's very important to me. I've really taken to this with a with a certain amount of passion. I really enjoy podcasting, and I. Most of all, I love the idea of making an eternal impact for God's kingdom by what I'm bringing to you here. Plus, I get a chance to share part of my life with you guys, and I, I, I enjoy that as well. So my name is Steve Johnson. This is the Wisdom on Wheels podcast where we speed through life at the breakneck speed of 60 seconds per minute. And I really feel like I've been speeding today because I've been trying to get this in under the 30-minute framework. And I did that because I got about 10 seconds to go. So this has been Steve Johnson for the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. And I look forward to being with you all again tomorrow. God bless and have a great night.